0: If you own a small business and you might be looking to sell, you could run into some major issues. Forbes estimates that 9 out of 10 businesses listed never actually sell. Why? Because there's only one way to sell. You need to do these four steps first. So if you want to be a part of the 10% of businesses that sell for profits, we've created a free checklist for you so you can sell without those hurdles that normally hold you back. Download the free checklist by visiting www.abundantculture.co forward slash checklist. Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast, where business owners like you come to learn how to grow the valuation of their companies so they can sell in the future. On this show, you'll learn how to sell for top dollar and invest in profitable businesses around the country. Now, here are your hosts, Jazz and Joe.
1: Hey, it's Joe here. Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We're so glad to have you back again this week. Now, I know as a small business owner, everyone has thought that if we just had the money, we could grow, or we could do this, or we could do that. And money seems to be a huge barrier to entry for a lot of business owners or a barrier to growth. But today we're interviewing somebody who can alleviate that barrier for you. One of the secrets to the wealthy is that they have access to investment funds. So today we're gonna be talking about what an investment fund is, how can you leverage one in order to grow your own business, how to start one, and so much more. So get ready to listen to and learn from our good friend, Bridger Pennington.
0: Hi, Bridger, and thank you again for coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We are super excited to have you today because Joe and I consumed so much of your content that we absolutely love. So we know that we had to share that same content with our audience. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, we have to ask you, like, what is your backstory? How'd you get into the fun space?
2: Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. I know it's funny that we were just talking that you guys are yeah, in our course and for you guys to see. We've, I guess, virtually, you guys have, have met each other long ago, I guess, but it's fun to meet each other in person more now on Zoom. But yeah, I uh, I got started in this space, just a little bit of background for people. I, I run a fund right now. I've run a fund for about four years. My, um, my dad and family and brother, they all all are in, in the fun space and do pretty well. And so I'll talk about that in a minute. But I um I was like a lot of people starting out, I got to college, I had this ambition, I grew up in a middle class type of family, I had a lot of ambition to be successful to make a lot of money as quickly as possible. So I got into school, I started six businesses, my first two years of college, and I was after it. I mean, and these were not these were not business like ideas. These were business attempts up and running employees, like I really went after it. We had a wholesaling business, Chinese tutoring business. I did cryptocurrency. I built websites for people. I mean, like any type of money making thing online, like I tried it. And finally, I did okay. I made a little bit of money, nothing crazy. And finally, my dad sat me down and said, Bridger, you're kind of like a chicken with your head cut off. I want you to go meet with one of my business partners. And so I said, okay, we set up this meeting. I drive up to this guy's house. And I pull up to this beautiful area and home. And I think you guys have probably heard this story before, but I, I pulled up to this incredible house, beautiful White House porch, everything. I park my car, I get out, I walk up to his door and I'm a little, like, like who, who's my dad's business partner? I mean, my dad, he drives a crappy car. Like we like, this guy's pretty legit. Knock on the door. He answers it. Bridger, come on in. We sit down. We start to chat and we start talking about life and all of business and everything. And I finally ask him, how did you get all of this? And I kind of pointed at like everything, right? Like this.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and he kind of laughs and he goes, Bridger, it's actually funny. Not very many people ask me that question. And I go, oh, really? Like that was like the first question I had, like when I walked in and he's like, and I, I'm like, sorry. If, and he goes, no, no, you're fine. You can ask me that question. And he goes, I was, when I, when I was in my twenties, I was a lot like you. i had started a number of businesses. I did okay. But then I figured out the secrets of the wealthy, of the ultra rich. And I was intrigued. I kind of leaned in. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, this is what the ultra wealthy families of the world do. This is the Rockefellers. This is the Vanderbilt. This is the Trump family, the round, even politics, right? These families, they get their kids and they make sure they go to really good schools. And they'll sometimes cheat to even get them in those schools, which we've seen in the past, right? (laughs) Get them in those schools. And then they have them try to work up and go to investment banking, consulting. They try to have them work in hedge funds, private equity, or come back home and run the family office is what it called. They all work in what they call the. A fund space. And I was intrigued. He goes, um, and he said, this is what I figured out. I figured this out about 15 years ago. And I went out and me and your dad and a few other people started a fund and we started a real estate. F- and for people that don't know what a fund is, we'll probably, I'm guessing we'll talk about this more on the, the episode, but in the most basic terms, this is hedge funds, private equity funds, real estate funds. They all are pretty much the same. Essentially a fund is just a pool of money investors put money into that pool. And then we as fund managers can draw from that pool and go buy real estate, or we could go buy businesses, or we can go trade cryptocurrency. We can pretty much do whatever we want with that pool. And whenever we make money with that pool, it flows back and you just take a split between yourself and your investor. To set that's the most basic terms of what a fund is. And so he said at the time they managed, they were managing $8 billion of multifamily real estate, billion with a B and people that follow people that know Grant Cardone, right? Cardone Capital, they manage 1.1 billion dollars right now currently. At the time this is 5 years, 6 years ago, they were managing 8 billion dollars. Now today they're they're over 20 billion dollars that they manage. That's like it's 20 times bigger than Grant Cardone, right? They manage multi-family investors crazy and I I was very intrigued. I was excited. I said, "Hey, and I've always heard you got to find mentors, right? You got to learn from people." So I said, "Hey, can you be my mentor? Can you teach me about this?" And he goes, "Bridger, go go talk to your dad your dad knows way more about us than i do and i i said no no my dad he drives a crappy car like we're you like i want you to teach me because you're rich And he goes bridger me and your dad make about the same amount of money and my chin about dropped to the floor i was like what come again he goes yeah i mean we're pretty much equal business partners and i left his house i drove straight to my dad's house and i was like dad what the heck like what's going on like why have we like, why aren't we buying fancy things and like going on to Hawaii on vacation? Like, why haven't I been able to order a soda at Chipotle for the past five years because it's too expensive? And you're, you know, you have this big fun. Anyways, he laughs and he says, Um, well, yeah, you know, yeah, we're doing okay. And I like to save and invest my money, and my partner likes to spend his money, but yeah, we do this fun thing. And long story short, so I'm going a little bit long. You guys can interrupt me if you'd like. Um, no, you're
1: fine. You're fine.
2: But my dad s- sat me down and started to teach me about funds. And every Sunday night we'd sit down, he pulled the whiteboard and started to teach me about the inner workings of the SEC, how to file your form D and and how to regulate, how to phrase money for investors, all this kind of stuff. And um, I had a a dream and a goal to start my own fund. And so uh, a few months later, I had a great idea. I thought that at this company I was working at, that I could start a fund that would lend money to some of their clients. And I had this, I thought it was a great idea. I took the idea to my dad. We, he was a great mentor, helped me think through the idea. And I finally got it all set up. I was ready to go. I was ready to launch my fund. I was like, hey, here we are. I'm gonna launch this fund. I overlooked the one main thing you need for a fund is investors, right? You need money. And so, and you guys are smiling. You guys have heard the story before probably, but I said, well, I'm going to go ask my dad. My dad loves me. He's helped me on this. He likes the idea. He apparently has all this money that he likes to save and invest. He would love to invest in my fund. So I remember it was like a late Sunday night. I went to my dad's office. I sat down with him and in my best pitch voice possible, I said, dad, how Would you like to be our first investor into our fund? And he kind of laughed and he said, Um, he said, Bridger, if I invest in your fund, I would ruin the experience of you raising money on your own. He said, It'll be a crutch that you'll never be able to recover from. And your first investor is your hardest investor. And I'm not going to take away that experience from you. And he said, You need to go out and find your own investors. And it was a big tough love moment between me and my dad. And he kicked me out. And uh, I took him up on the challenge. I hit the streets. And over the next few weeks, weeks, I raised a whopping $49,000 from like, it was like six or seven different investors. Teeny fund. If you you don't think about funds, that's teeny micro small fund. But for what I was doing is enough to get started. We were doing these small little loans. It was enough to get started. And I launched my first fund. That first group of investors, we got them a 64% return. And uh, we did, you know, still small numbers, but a good return. They were really impressed. And then since then we've launched our second fund. We're launching a third fund right now. We've done, grown and done millions of dollars since then and, and done really well. But that's kind of how I got in this game. And, and to this day, my dad has never invested in any deal, any project, any fund, anything I've presented to him. He's never invested to date. And I I still actually pitch him all the time. Um, (laughs) Maybe I'll get him, maybe I'll get him eventually. But anyways, that's kind of how we got into it. So since then we've, um, so my dad runs this big fund. My brother's a security attorney. We've had a lot of people ask us about how to start up funds and how to work in funds. And none of us went to Harvard. None of us are Ivy League. My dad grew up in ghetto North Las Vegas, got B's and C's in college. I mean, we all kind of did this you know, unconventionally. Yeah. So we finally started you know, online content and shows. We have a podcast and a group and a mastermind program that we help other people do the same thing and launch their scale their funds just because no one else talks about this. No one else yeah. talks about funds. I don't know why, but online there's this gap of, of knowledge on how to actually start and scale a fund so that's what we do
1: yeah and to that point i think it's so interesting that you guys do this because you would think that you know i mean funds probably account for like trillions of dollars yeah. in in just the united states not even counting around the world and when i first saw your ad i was like oh this is interesting And then in my mind, I asked the same question. I'm like, wait a minute, is Bridger the only person that does this? (laughs) And from what I saw, there wasn't a lot of people who taught people how to put together a fund, how to raise money legally, and how to deploy it into different types of deals. So Mm -hmm. I I definitely appreciate that you guys put all of this content together so that regular people can actually go out and uh, start a fund and actually scale it because- honestly, we're, I I don't know if uh, we mentioned it yet, but we actually just finished the paperwork for our fund. We're still working on fund administration and a couple other things, but we finished the paperwork for it. And I don't think I would have. That's huge.
2: Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I don't think I would have had the, like the audacity or the tenacity to like do that if it weren't for me, getting comfortable with it through your content, through your podcast, and your Facebook group that you have, so it's and just, your course, <laughs> yeah, and your course that we bought.
2: Well, I would, I would say too, and I, I understand the uniqueness of my position, right? I understand it's very unique to have a dad like I have and a brother who's a security. It, it, it is unique, and most people don't have that, and most people don't even have the vision. They can't even think through it of that's possible. That's actually in my scope of something I could do. And for me, it was because I had family members doing it. But if I didn't have that, I would be the same boat. So that's, that's a little bit why we did this is just to almost share, like, like if you heard of rich dad, poor dad, right? The book, yeah. it's almost like, Hey, I have a rich dad. I want to share the knowledge with other people and share what's going on. And the same thing's happened to me. So I'm, I'm congrats to you guys too. Kudos on your fun. You guys, are you guys buying and selling businesses or what are you guys doing?
1: Yeah. So that's our goal is to basically buy and sell businesses, usually between the revenue ranges of $500,000 per year and to 5 million. Mm -hmm. And pretty much because traditional private equity firms don't usually focus on deals that small, uh, Mm -hmm. even though that's probably like a decent size for us where we are, Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're not usually focusing on those. So a lot of those deals, they end up either passing down to their kids reluctantly, or just having to close their doors when they retire. So uh, we want to continue buying businesses uh, like we have been in the past, but scaling it through a fund.
2: I love that. I think the pro- the other mentality too for a lot of people is, is you have to be buying businesses that are, you know, have an EBITDA of $300 million and you're going to IPO. Like there's plenty of niche funds that are working in the 500 grand space or the $2 million yeah. space or these small gaps in the market that, yeah, us, people like us entrepreneurs can fill and actually do yeah. really well. I kudos to you guys. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank, Thank you.
1: <laughs> and I appreciate that you say that because I see that all the time in different fake Facebook groups that I'm in, like, you know, they're, they're trying and, and not to say that, you know, if you can buy a $20 million company that you shouldn't, I mean, if you can, and if you like the company, I believe you should, but I have seen a lot of entrepreneurs who are like haven't even done their first deal yet a lot of times. And they're trying to compete with other private equity firms and and do all of these super complicated things. And I think there is something to be said about gaining momentum wherever you can gain momentum. Because I mean, getting that first deal out the way, it's the hardest one. We got ours out the way it was one of the most stressful times in my life, <laughs> period. But now that it's out the way, I learned so much from that experience. Yeah. And it's allowed me to have the confidence to move into a fund and invest other people's money. So one of the things I did want to touch on is the idea that your, your friend's dad mentioned that not a lot of people asked them, how did he get all of this? Mm. Like, that's something, even though it might be a small thing, it really stood out to me because it's I think I would ask the same question. Like, how'd you get all of this? Because, you know, I come from, you know, Gary, Indiana. Feel free to look up pictures. Don't look up pictures on the <laughs> on the government website because they'll, they they will have like fake photos. I don't know, even know what that is. But like real pictures of Gary, Indiana is not the best place to grow up. I didn't have, um, you know, anybody's house to go to who lived like that to ask the question, how'd you get all of this? Why do you think that, he was you were one of the first people to really ask him that question
2: yeah that's, a, that's an interesting question i i don't know um i think a lot of people think it's this barrier because it's just it's people don't like to talk about money a lot it's almost these one of these taboo topics which i hate i i literally at dinner every night of the week, we talk money every we i talk I money it. all day with at dinner a family friend like we always are talking money just for i think it's just fun. yeah that's i think it's i, I guess that's unique i've met other people that they don't do that. No one talks money. No one talks finances. No one talks stock prices. And so I think that was the first thing to people. It's a little bit taboo. And secondly, um, I I think some I I I don't know why actually other people have it. For me, it was I have ambition and I'm gonna find other people who are ahead of me on the path, and I'm gonna ask them and try to try to just figure out how what I can do to get to their spot. Absolutely. And I I. Feel like that's pretty obvious and that makes a lot of sense i don't know that seems just like the i don't know if yeah. you want to be successful just copy what successful people do that's what tony robbins will always tell you yeah and it's so interesting i have a lot of friends really great friends that have haven't really thought of that before haven't thought yeah. of finding they i have a friend that wants to be a dentist right have you gone and shadowed dentists yet oh no i haven't why haven't why haven't you gone and talked to, to people that are already dentists and see how they like it and what they would have done differently and so um, I think there's a lot of value in in asking questions and, yeah. and learning just from people that are ahead of you in any aspect of life. So
1: yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of value in asking questions. You know, one question can literally be life changing if you find the answer to it. And I've had so many of those moments. Um, and I don't know where my life would be without those moments. Uh, but since our podcast is tailored, towards uh, small business owners and helping small business owners grow either through acquisition or one day selling their company, just helping them grow the value of their business. In your opinion, how can a fund starting a fund like you have really help a small business owner grow? Could you kind of tell our audience about, in your opinion, what is it behind a fund or what's the strategy behind a fund that can help them get to the next level?
0: If you don't diversify your investment portfolio, you could end up losing it all. But most business owners don't know how to diversify to mitigate those risks. That's why we created this resource for you. This passive investing guide is a must-have if you're planning to invest in businesses. Don't hesitate. If you have more than twenty-five grand liquid, then you can't afford not to take advantage of this resource. Download the four reasons why in 2021, you need small businesses in your portfolio now by going to www.abundantculture.co forward slash guide.
2: It's a great question. So there's a few ways to go about it. Um, and I'll give you a, a few examples. The, the cool thing about funds is they are, you can pretty much use them for whatever you want. If, if the only thing stopping you from growth is money. A fund might be, or probably is the best option for you. So I have a lot of people, a lot of friends that flip houses, right? Yeah. They flip two to three houses. One guy in our group, he just started to fund that. They're going to flip 84 houses this
1: year in 2021, right? Nice. Another
2: group, um, they actually you might, you might know them in the mastermind group. They uh, do Amazon business. Okay. And they, and they were running, Am- they ran like one or two Amazon businesses. They started to fund. They went and purchased, I think seven or eight of their competitors, and put them all under one roof, and now have scaled. They've like ten x their business over the last twelve months. It's been incredible to wow. see their growth through a fund. Um, so a fund really is just a catalyst for growth. You, if you can bolt a fund on to a successful business, it just helps you grow like crazy. So for small business owners, a few examples of, of things you do. Number one is acquire. You can you can have a fund yourself to acquire other businesses. You can have a fund to scale your current operation. So, if you have one location, you want to go to 50 locations, you set up a fund, it's a pool of money. You can go set up all those other locations and you're not giving up equity in your business. The traditional thinking is like the Shark Tank route. Okay, I'll, I'll give up 20% of my business for $50,000, $500,000, right? And that's a very, um, sharp way to go about it. They're going to be now 20% owners yeah. in your business. Like, holy crap, that sucks. Yeah. With a fund, you maintain a hundred percent equity. You raise a fund, those partners, and I'll, maybe I'll go in a little more detail with the Amazon guys this is what they did. They they actually raised a fund. And I think let's just we'll use round numbers. I think it was around $500,000. They went and purchased 10 Amazon businesses for about 50 grand a piece. And those Amazon businesses, they scaled up and they were cash flowing Around seven hundred fifty grand a year. So okay. what they did, because they were they're really good at scaling Amazon businesses, I guess. They just took that cash flow, paid off all their investors, and now they run an Amazon businesses that are cash flowing seven hundred fifty grand a year, and can sell them. They they maintain a hundred percent ownership. Investors were paid off with a you know a fifteen percent return. They're really happy. That was a great investment, you know. Yeah. And they maintain a hundred percent ownership. So that's a, a one type of example. Another example, kind of a different realm. Um, I have a friend. He his entire fund goes and buys and sells funeral homes. So they go around. He found that he can buy mom and pop funeral homes and sell them to a bigger firm for about double. So every year he gets he has about seven eight million dollars and he goes and buys maybe five or six mom and pop funeral homes and he can sell them. So let's call it 8 million. He spends to buy them. He can sell that for about 16, $17 million. He, he makes $8 million every year just doing that. Now he's got to pay his investors back and stuff. And he probably takes home about maybe one and a half, two million a half, $2 million a year, every year. That's what he does. So there's a lot of facets you can use funds for just get, I guess, get the wheel spinning a little bit. It's, yeah. it's pretty incredible. And again, it's just a catalyst for growth. So if you're a good um, stock trader, okay, you trade a hundred grand. What if you traded 10 million, right? If you flip houses, you get a hundred grand versus 10, right? And it's versus 10 million. It's just a, it's a catalyst for growth um, where you're not giving up equity in your business
1: absolutely
2: those
0: are like amazing examples so i have to ask you what is the most unique fun that you've like ever
2: heard of oh man there's some there's some awesome ones um I was actually on a call with two guys. I think I'll share two with you this last week. One of the funds I, I heard of these guys, well, I, I probably shouldn't tell you all their stuff because they, don't want, they probably don't want me to share, but they're doing stuff on the moon. So they started a fund to finance companies that are going to be doing projects on the moon in the future. A wow. little far-fetched. I was like, wow, that's pretty unique.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the blue unique. ocean for sure.
2: Right. Yeah. The um, Another group, they go and buy and sell almond farms. um they go out, they, they just, that's, they found Almond Farms, get, I guess, good ROIs, whatever it is. And uh, they buy and sell Almond Farms. Another group, they buy um, scripts in Hollywood. So they'll go find broke writers that you know have these scripts for like a TV series. They yeah. will buy the script for, let's call it 25 grand or 50 grand. They turn around and they will sell it to HBO or Prime or Apple because everyone has their streaming service now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they'll sell them for 200, 300, 400 grand, these scripts. Um, that's wow. their entire fund. That's what they do. So, those are some unique some unique funds. There's a lot of niches. Now, you have the traditional funds that are just buying and selling businesses or trading crypto or, yeah, I guess crypto is not that unique, but they're not that traditional. Hedge funds. and. But there, yeah, there's, there's some cool niches out there of what people are doing.
1: Yeah. The, I, the best
2: part is, the other part I'll say too is there is so much money. That's the thing is right now we have this incredible amount of money in the world. There is so much, even before 2020, there was, I I can't remember the number. It was like, I think it was over $300 billion in dry powder. That was not uncalled capital at private equity firms, right? Just waiting to get deployed into markets you have. And then in 2020, they've printed, I've heard reports anywhere from 20% to about 35% of all US dollars were printed in the last 12 months. Jeez. which is wild. That is like that is, yeah. 20% of a currency printed in one year. Um, that just doesn't make sense. Right. And I right. could talk about it for an hour. And then I, we got Jeremy Powell that tells us that inflation is only at 2%, which I think is <laughs> but, um, that's what's happening there. Everybody has money. The, the problem is not money right now. The problem is where can you find yield? And I know for some people that sounds for me too. It's like, it's hard to raise money. You're out there and you're like, no, I can't find money. You got to always remember there is so much money in this world. There is right now about $17 trillion, trillion dollars—trillion with a T, trillion dollars trading at zero or negative interest rates in Europe. People are buying bonds or any type of security at zero or negative rates, meaning they're guaranteeing a loss. They, they have looked around and said, I would rather guarantee a loss then invest in something else, right? There's a lot of demand (laughs) for real. People are looking for returns. If you can provide a a decent return for investors, money will find you.
1: That is crazy. That is. So I know that there's somebody listening to this and- their head just exploded because they didn't realize that there was all this money out there. I think the natural next question for most people, and it was the natural question for me at one point in time, was, okay, if there's all this money out there, what are the steps that I need to take to in order to find the people who have it and pitch them or attract those people to me? is one of the questions that I think is probably on a lot of people's minds.
2: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I actually asked my dad this question when I was first trying to raise money. And I was, I was 22 years old when I started my first pop. Um, No experience, didn't have a college degree. I mean, uh, nothing, right? I said, right. dad, how am I going to raise money? Like, how am I gonna do this? And he goes, he gave me this example and it changed my life. And I want to give you guys the same example. He said, Bridger, imagine, we just found a Lamborghini Aventador in Billings, Montana. And we can buy it this weekend for $50,000. There's a lady out there and she, uh, for whatever is going into bankruptcy or whatever, she needs to sell this car. We've had a mechanic look at it. It's legit. This is not a fake Lamborghini. It's legit. $50,000 on Saturday morning, we can buy it. We have a verified buyer in California that will buy the car for $200,000 Monday morning. 100%, they've already signed the purchase order. And he goes, just go with me as an example, right? It's all checked out. It's all guaranteed. And he said, Bridger, the only thing is you can't use any of your own money. You have to raise money from other people. If you raise 50 grand by Saturday, you'll make 150 grand by Monday morning. Could you raise $50,000 by Saturday morning? And he asked me this question and I thought about it and um, I was like, well, you know, maybe a former boss or like a college professor or a family friend or a long lost uncle or whatever. I Started to think through, I was kind of skeptical, but I thought, you know what? 150 grand, like, and it's guaranteed. I was like, you know what? I I I think I could do I you know what I could raise, I was like, I could raise 50 grand. Like, you know, I'll stay up late, I'll wake up early, I'll fly around, I'll do whatever. Like, you know what? (laughs) I'm like, I'm in, I could do this, right? And he goes, What about a hundred thousand dollars? Do you think you could raise a hundred thousand dollars by Saturday? And I said, you know what? I was like, Yeah, I, I think I could talk to enough people. I I I really, you know, I was like, you know what? It's going to be hard, but I'm going to make a hundred grand this weekend. Like dang straight. I'm going to find a hundred grand by Saturday morning. And my dad asked me why? And I said, well, the deal is so it's foolproof. You said it's guaranteed. He goes, aha, there it is. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, three minutes ago, you were telling me that you're too young. You're inexperienced. You don't have a track record. You don't have all this going for you. However, you just told me you could raise a hundred thousand dollars by Saturday morning because the deal was guaranteed and he goes that's the biggest problem that most people face when they're trying to raise money they don't believe in their deal like you believed in the Lamborghini you know transaction I just explained. Uh, and he said step 1 for any fund or anything you're doing is find an incredible deal. A deal or a, a business or whatever you're doing that is so lucrative that you've poked every hole in and found this thing is, is watertight. This thing is, yes, there's a little bit of risk, but I'm I'm a hundred percent in it. And he goes, You'll be surprised what happens, what you can do when you're that confident in a deal. Most of the time, people are not confident enough to go out and do that. And so that that one little story that changed my life. Um, I started to, to make sure before I talked to any investor that my deal was a hundred percent soundproof water, like I, I was a hundred percent in on it and committed, and money loves confidence. Um, old sales quote right, money loves confidence, and uh, I think that was the first thing. Now, secondly, to your question is where do I find these investors, right? How do I okay? Where do I? I got a great deal, or I got I got something that's waterproof. Where do I go to find these people? And um, one of two things. Number one is you can do it yourself, right? You can go out and leverage your network and talk to everybody. Okay, you talk to anybody you know, and you'd be surprised how far word of mouth actually just travels. Is oh I got this friend Bridger of a friend who's he's investing into real estate. You should go talk to him. And it's very interesting when you put your antennas out. What happens? Number two though is partnering with somebody who already has the connections. There are people out there. I actually met a guy last uh, about three months ago. He calls me up. He's like Bridger. I you know I'm I like networking. I'm an extrovert. I have I have uh, two guys that are billionaires, that love me to death they want to invest in my deals. They're great friends of mine. I just don't have any deal. I don't have, I got nothing to offer them, but I've got this great network. Can I work with you? And I was like, dang straight. You can come work with me. Like right?" And so um, I was like, yeah, I'll take, I'll take their money. And, but he's like, I gotta be part of the deal. And I said, great, we'll cut you in. We'll cut you a slice where you it's your, you know, it's part of your deal. And Absolutely. there are people out there who have spent the last decade of their life creating a Rolodex of people that are very high net worth, but they have no clue what to invest in. They don't know what to do with it. And so um, the second option is find an incredible money-raising partner. And there's actually more of these people than you think. Um, there's a lot of people out there that I've met that are that are like this and have great network, but just don't know where to deploy their capital. So those are the two things I would say. Is that kind of making sense? Absolutely. a yes. great answers. Yeah,
1: I, I believe that's such a, a great answer because I think a lot of times like, As an entrepreneur, you think that, you know, everything is on you. And I think in the very, very beginning, it kind of is. But I think what you just said about also, if, you know, not only leverage your network, but go out and find somebody else to leverage their network. I believe that's so powerful. And it's something that we've used in our business. And it really helps to expand uh, on your core competencies. And I think it creates this synergy where, you know, one plus one doesn't only equal two, it equals three because you're working with the right uh, type of person. And I think that is uh, what you're talking about. And I tell people this all the time. I'm, I'm like, you know, obviously when you have the time, sharpen whatever skill you need. But in the meantime, while you're doing that, find somebody else who already has that skill and try to bring them into your business and just really leverage their expertise as you become better at it. And I think just by hanging around certain people, who are good at something, you might not get as good as they are, but you'll start to just improve just by uh, the very fact that you're around them so much. So I think that is an excellent, excellent piece of information. Mm -hmm.
0: So for the person that's thinking like, well, I love this idea. I want to get started, but I don't even know where to begin. What is like that first step in starting a fund?
2: Yeah. There's two spots. If you're like ready to start a fund, like you you feel like you have the knowledge and the intent start with that deal. That's what I always tell people start with step number one, find that incredible, deal, or again, find a partner with incredible deals, right? There's people that it's funny. Actually, my dad's funds, I make fun of them all the time. My dad does not know really the first thing about real estate He and they manage over $20 billion of real estate. And I always ask him, like, what do you think of this deal? He's like, I don't, I don't know. Goes, I, have, I have incredible partners that know. How to, they can walk past a building and tell you what the cap rate is and tell you exactly what it's worth and how much they would, how, what they'd offer. And uh, and it's actually pretty funny of the, the partners they've built, but that's, that's, no one does this alone. The second thing I would say though, that I think is more crucial, people are just interested in this, maybe the first time you're kind of hearing about this and want to get in the game is start to educate yourself on funds. It is one of the most lucrative vehicles on the planet. Every, I, I've talked to hundreds of people about funds. Every time I bring up the word fund or private equity or hedge funds, people's ears pop up. They, they want to learn more, right? They want to like, they, for whatever reason, it's just like a buzzword. Yeah. If you can just talk the talk of funds, it is um, actually very lucrative for your career. I'll give you an example. I am, um, this is, I had just started my first one. I was, you know, doing well and I got invited by three gentlemen to come to a meeting and they were going to set up a new fund. These guys wanted to, and these were legit uh, entrepreneurs. These guys were all in their forties and fifties had been very successful. One guy had run a, a massive uh, company, $25 million you know a year business. Another guy had flipped 500 homes in like the last two years. Another, I mean, these guys were very successful in their trade. We got in a room, they wanted to set up a, it was a opportunity zone fund. And we sat down and the one, one gentleman invited me to like me, the other three guys, did not like me. They, they uh, didn't want me there. They were like, who's this kid? Why'd you invite him? This is, he's not like, we don't want him. It was kind of one of those first meetings where we're kind of meeting together. So I'm sitting in the room. I'm, I'm in the, I'm kind of, they're obviously kind of butted me out of the conversation. I'm trying to get in, but like, they obviously don't like what I'm, you know, so I'm just sitting there, I'm waiting. And um, I finally raise my hand and I say, hold on real quick. What are you guys going to do uh, for your carried interest in your management fees. And you're going to run an American waterfall or European waterfall. And they all kind of like, huh, what are you talking about? (laughs) And they said, they said, come, come describe what you mean. And I went on the whiteboard and I spent the the next seven minutes walking them through terms inside of a fund. I walked them through what a a prep is and what a catch up and what a waterfall and a high watermark and and stuff that we teach in our, you guys probably all know these things, but stuff we teach in our program and other stuff. And after about seven minutes, they realized that I knew stuff about funds that they didn't know. And at the end of that meeting, they wanted me to be an equal partner with them in the fund. My clout in that room went from zero to like equal partner in seven minutes because I had done the prep work beforehand to understand how funds work, how they function. I got to that meeting and I knew what I was talking about and uh, it got me, you know, it got me a seat at the table. So I would tell people first off, um, and that helps you in, even if you're a nine to five, you know, employee, if you can talk the the, this game, which pretty much every successful entrepreneur wants to get in this game in some way, shape or form, you can talk through it very well. Um, It's going to benefit your career in every way, shape or form. And people are going to recognize that you're the guy that understands funds and how they work. And you're just going to get invited to more and more deals, more and more pitch rooms, more and more meetings, and eventually, one of those are going to work out. Eventually, one yeah. of those partners is going to land. You're going to start something and be pretty successful with it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I totally, so awesome. I totally agree because I think it's there's a certain power that comes with knowing a vocabulary that most people don't know. And it can get you into so many doors and create like a status that, you might not even know that you have, but other people think that you have it because of the way that you speak. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful. I have like similar stories for myself. And honestly, when I took your course, even though I knew I knew a little bit of some of the concepts, a lot of it was still really new to me, especially the vocabulary. I heard almost none of those words. I didn't know what carried interest was, a waterfall, a catch up, a prep. I didn't know what those things were. But then as I started to... Uh, learn those things, it started to become like a second language to me. So when I uh, speak like that on the phone with somebody who is an investment banker, or in venture capital or something like that, they're like, Oh, wait a minute, you you do know what you're talking about. And I think it's something that's so powerful, especially for young people, because if you're young, they're probably already kind of discounting you because of, of your youth. But if you can use certain language that they know that not the average person knows, it'll increase your status. And I think in Oren Klaas' book, Flip the Script, he actually talks about that status alignment. And basically in that moment, you are able to take your status from almost nothing to being equal, uh, possibly even greater than everybody else's in the room. So I think that's a very, very powerful uh, piece of information. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I wanted to really ask you is... Uh, we want to start wrapping up to really respect your time. What is the number one takeaway that you will want any business owner to get from this podcast episode?
2: Um, I think the biggest thing, and this is more general, something that's just helped me and and something that mentors have taught me and and helped me um, all for people that are listening and haven't started a business yet and haven't gotten in the game and haven't quite yet swung the bat. Something my dad taught me and, and, I think created an entrepreneur inside of me. Every time we would go out to dinner or go out somewhere, and we'd go to a restaurant ran by an immigrant, my dad would always point them out and he'd go, "Bridger, look at that guy right there. His family probably moved here from Korea or whatever we're at, South Mongolia or wherever they're from. They moved here five years ago, and within five years." The dude can't even speak English. He's got two restaurants and he's got a laundromat and another business set up. Yeah. How did he do that in five years? And he doesn't even speak English. And he said, it's because they realized that family, whatever group he, you know, point out, they realized the opportunity they have when they moved to America and they moved to a land of opportunity. And he said, if they were able to do it, you have no excuse. You grew up, you went to school here. You speak English as your first language you have no reason, no excuse not to be successful. And um, I think of kind of a baseball analogy of um, of getting up to the plate and swinging the bat. Uh, yeah. Most people in their life, they sit, they sit on the sidelines. They they make jokes on Twitter and they they put put people down and they're they're, they're the peanut gallery, right? They're throwing popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Very few people actually get up to the plate and swing the bat. For sure. And for me, I I started at a young age of swinging the bat. Right. I said six businesses my first year of the college, and my mentality was. If I swing the bat enough times, eventually I'm going to hit a base hit and maybe I'll get a double and maybe I'll hit a home run. But even, I mean, millionaires are made off of singles and doubles, right? You don't even have to like hit a home run. And yeah, I'm going to strike out a few times, but at least I'm at the plate swinging the bat. And um, I've always made that decision of to be in the game and to not be a critic, to not be, I've actually tried to make a goal over the last two years to not put out a negative comment on Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes it's very hard. It's very easy to make fun. Of, and I've just tried yeah. to make it, like, hey, I'm not going to put out negative comments. I'm not going to make fun. I'm going to be in the game. I'm going to focus on me and I'm going to keep swinging the bat. And what's funny is if you swing the bat enough times, you're going to hit something, right? For sure. And um, if you can keep your expenses low, if you can stay low leverage, um, don't buy the nice car and the fancy house, just stay really low leverage. Me and my wife, I think to survive right now, we have to spend about $900 a month to survive. That's gas, food, rent, mortgage, like everything, Carp. that's all, it's 900 bucks a month. If we have 900 bucks a month, we survive. And what that allows me to do is go and swing for the fences. I can swing as much as I want. We have this new fund coming out and I'm swinging for the fence on this one. And uh, if we fail, okay, I, you know, if I hit rock bottom zero, if I just get a McDonald's job and I make 900 bucks a month, we're still gonna live in our same house and we're gonna still drive the same cars and we're still gonna pretty much live the same life, you know? I think yeah. my, that's something my dad taught me. He said, if you can stay low leverage, you can When opportunities come by, you can take advantage of them and, uh, and you have no excuse not to be successful. So back to your question for something I want to leave with people. That's it is get in the game, start swinging the bat and, uh, and start, start playing bigger. So absolutely. I freaking
0: love that because Joe and I, we were just talking about that same exact concept the other day. Like we were looking around like the south side of Chicago, like why aren't people, you know, striving for more? And Joe was saying it's like they just don't keep trying. They stop because something doesn't go right and they don't keep going. So I I love that. Keep swinging the bat analogy that is perfect for sure so you're on the abundant culture podcast and we feel the need to ask every single guest this question and the question is how do you spread abundance whether it be in your personal business spiritual life just in general
2: um yeah it's a great question i like that i i'm a pretty spiritual person i'm very active very active member of my church i'm all in on gospel things and and trying to be a good better just trying to be become a better person um, I try to give quite a bit to, to churches and charities. Um, for me though, writing a check to like a church, it's okay. You know, you write them a check. It's like, yeah, it feels okay. We've, me and my wife have, have uh, discovered it is way more fun to do it like individually. So we, uh, we actually, like every year we'll set a budget of how much money we're going to give away in $20 bills. And so we, every time we go to the grocery store, we walk in with like 40 bucks, and we try to look spot out a family or spot out somebody that we can just like, Hey, like we'll paying your groceries today. And, uh, that is the funnest thing. It is the, it is the funnest way to spend money. Um, it's, it, it's great. And so, and, yeah. um, or we'll just leave it on the capsule. It's like really fun. So we try to, we try to do a lot with that and just spread, I don't know, spread goodness. Um, outside of monetary stuff though, and I'm not perfect at all. There's people that are way better, like a hundred times better. i we're just trying our little part. Um, to do good out there. But I think with COVID, so many people are lonely. And I think loneliness is one of the biggest pandemics uh, in the world is loneliness. Even before COVID, people are increasingly lonely, which is so sad with we have such a connected world, yet everyone's alone. Yeah. And I, I try to make a, a conscious effort to call my grandparents, um, try to call them once or twice a month, three times a month. If I can on Sundays, I'll try to call them or call friends or face because FaceTime is the best. You can just FaceTime somebody, talk to them for four minutes and then, you know, hit, hit them up next week. Right. And it's, I think there is mental health is a huge crisis in America. And I think really, it comes down to if you just have friends and talk to people, most people you can kind of get through most stuff if you have other people around you yeah and just most people don't really have a circle and so I, I really try I, I mean my wife we try to consciously reach out and t- just talk to people and send them a text that we love them and we appreciate them and just friends and family people that we you know feel like might be a little bit lonely so that's like our small part we're, we're pretty bad at it we got to get better <laughs> but uh, I think it's a great question I gotta I gotta do a lot better though so we're trying to do better but that's that's kind of stuff we've been doing
1: yeah you're well, probably you're trying th- yeah. So
2: that's
0: like the first step
1: <laughs> yeah you're probably a lot better than i am still right. so <laughs> i gotta get better too yeah. um and i one thing i just love about you guys is that you are so genuine to have the level of success that you have it's probably not a big deal for you but on the outside looking in if i were to ask myself would i be able to actually reach you I would have suspected that I probably could not, but I actually was able to. Um, and I think it's like, it says so much about you, you guys' humility and your willingness to have connections and conversations with people that may or may not actually you know, benefit you at all. So I think that's great. Keep it up. You're definitely very, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to work with you, or your team, they want to learn more about the fund space, how they start it, you know, how to pitch investors, things of that nature. A lot of the things that we learned in your course. How does somebody actually reach out to you?
2: Um, yeah, and by the way, thanks for having me on. It's been fun to hang out. You guys are a cute couple, and just fun to hang out with. I don't know if Thank you're a couple. I'm assuming you're a couple, but <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: we we usually what happened is that we usually have a connection call before the podcast where we kind of tell a little bit of our story and then hear your story, but we didn't have one with you because we knew your story and we can listen to you <laughs> okay. so much. So we probably still should have had one, but we can have another one later and we could kind of go into detail about our background. So that's why oh, okay. you didn't really know anything about us coming on <laughs> yeah, to the yeah. podcast, but yeah. How would somebody get in contact?
2: Yeah. So, um, we've, uh, our, our stuff online is called investment fund secrets. So investmentfundsecrets.com. We have a one hour training on there, we try to go in depth more. And we have kind of the stuff we talked about today, but a little bit more in depth on how to start your fund. We have programs and stuff that you guys have joined and other things, but um, we try to just put out good content on YouTube and our podcast. So Investment Fund Secrets, if you look that up, you'll find us anywhere. If you want to get in touch with me, Instagram is usually the best spot. So Bridger underscore Pennington is my Instagram and shoot me a DM on there. We try to respond to most everybody on there. So reach out to me if you have questions or comments or other things, and we'll try to point you in the right direction. So good way to get in contact.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you again so much, Bridger, for coming on to the podcast. This was truly a wealth of knowledge and it was super fun. So thank you.
2: Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It's been awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Abundant Culture Podcast with Jazz and Joe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember, we're ready to buy your business. So if you're ready to sell or passively invest in other small businesses, go to AbundantCulture.co
2: for more information. We publish episodes every Friday, so we'll see you next week.